Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, it's our final episode of 2020. So we're going to look back at the things we liked and look forward to the things that are coming. East West Screen. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. And welcome to East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, still sitting in lockdown in seasonal South Florida. And coming to us all the way from his very own private Studio 54 is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hey there, Paul. Hi to everyone. Hi. How does it feel to be social distancing in, in your own little private space there in Hong Kong, sir? I, I'm used to social distancing, you know. I, I I'm I'm a social distancer by nature, yeah. so so you know the last couple of days I I hate to say it like on uh, let me think what I did Christmas Eve yeah so Christmas Eve Christmas Day and Chris uh, Boxing Day I actually went out and saw people and I feel exhausted just completely exhausted and I feel like maybe 2020 hasn't been such a terrible year for social distancing for me. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's understandable. This is a for us. This is the first Christmas I think that we've had in, in the new place, and both the kids are of the age now where Christmas is like this magical time, you know, and and, and all of that. But man, it is a lot of work. And so one of the things we did on Christmas Day was we did you know the Christmas here, and then we had Christmas with my dad. Um, so it was kind of like Christmas part two for the kids. You know, it's been rough because we've been, you know, making sure that he's being properly social distanced. So we buy all his groceries and everything for him and wipe them down and do everything we can to keep him as, you know, to have as minimal exposure as he can possibly have. And so, you know, all that's fine. But, man, it was like just so much work this year that when I sat down to watch uh, the movie, the new Pixar movie, Soul, I did a Kevin Ma and I fell asleep. (laughs) excuse me paul <laughs> excuse me paul i only do that in the theaters because when i feel sleepy at home i just take a nap <laughs> yeah well that's what that's what you would call this it was a nap in the middle of I, I stopped soul. the movie i stopped the movie and then i take a nap and then i come back to well, it well see and, I, and I, it, I i can't see? stop the movie because i got like three other bodies sitting there watching it so <laughs> You know, so they just get to do what I used to do with you in the cinema, where I get to turn, they they turn their head over and look at me as I quietly <laughs> snored away um, for a good 20 or 20 minutes or so. So I've got to sit down and, and, and rewatch it. <laughs> now, do you know how I feel at the movies when I'm the one that falls asleep? And yes. I'm like, oh, I mean, I had to. I couldn't help myself. Yeah. I had to. I just fall asleep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's uh, it's great that they can experience this but it's just a weird it's a weird time of year because we didn't get to see all the family that we would normally want to see this time of year and we've been doing our best throughout the year to stay home and we're going to keep doing that at least for another six to eight months it looks like until 
some vaccines start to head our way, which we're kind of looking forward to. And I mean, I was thinking about, cause I mean, we don't do a lot of going out uh, as a family, but the two things I think I miss the most is I really want to get back to a gym and, uh, and exercising. And at the place with the apartment complex we used to live at, they had their own like little fitness center that I could go to. Um, but this place we moved to, um, you know, we have a house, they don't have a fitness center. They've got a pool, but you know, obviously we weren't going to go to the pool during the pandemic, but I really want to get back to a gym and to, to exercising. And I mean, we take the kids out bike riding and try to do some stuff that way, but they've been pushing a lot of exercise gear over here on TV. I mean, these, these magic mirrors that you can look at and you have personal trainers in the mirrors now, and they, you know, the Peloton bikes and all those have been, um, really big sellers throughout the year, but I don't really want to do the home gym thing. I like being able to get myself motivated, motivated by leaving the house. So I'll look forward to that. And of course I will look forward to going back to the cinemas. And I know this is one of the things we've debated about, um, in the past, you know, the cinema experience versus the home experience. And I do like the home experience. I like being able to have these movies coming out, uh, day and date as cinema releases, but there are some movies that I would like, you know, to take my daughter to, to watch in the cinema, to have that cinema experience still. So I'll look forward to the day when, you know, we can hopefully get back to that as well. Yeah, I, I actually bought a set of dumbbells here, but the thing is, I didn't want to buy something too heavy because, first of all, you're going to piss off the delivery guy by ordering 40 kilograms of, uh, you know, weights. And yeah, I, I personally like going to the gym, they have more equipment there, but right now it's just an incredibly dangerous time. And I miss the cinema just as much you as you, Paul. And, you know, I'm the one that argues for the, cine, the, the, the big screen experience. So, um, of all people, of course, I mean, cinemas have been shut down here for Hong Kong for a month now since December, which is a little better than you guys because we've had it open for most of the year, even though things were pretty quiet. But We've had we've had it once again closed for for the whole month, and that means we lost out on the big holiday films. We could have seen So, we could have seen Wonder Woman, we could have seen the new Tom Hanks film, uh, News of the World. There were a couple uh, the whole French film festival that I missed because uh, they canceled most of the festival. Um, there is a, ret- a retrospectives coming up. There's a retrospective of Billy Wilder movies that are held by the Hong Kong International Film Festival that I wrote the blurbs for, and I was really hoping that people would get to see those films because Billy Wilder is, you know, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And I was really hoping people would get to see those films. And those are all right now sort of up in the air because uh, we, we've had our cinemas empty for a month now. And um, But, you know, things are safer here because I think people are a bit more um, cautious and cases here have been relatively low compared to the rest of the world. But um, it's uh, it's been an unusual year. It's been a very unusual year. Uh, yeah, to be sure. And I mean, I think that with over here, they haven't closed the cinemas, but uh, I think a lot of people have avoided them, uh, though there are still, you know, there are still some people who will go out and, and see things. And And one of the things that's been interesting is that our cinemas have attempted to adapt through, you know, various means. One of the means that uh, the local favorite cinema of mine that I typically take my daughter to is they will let you basically buy out the entire cinema uh, to, to watch a film by yourself or with a group of friends for the low, low price of about 150, um, anywhere between 100 to 150 US dollars. 
Um, and th this is not, you know, this is not uh, like the uh, sort of the dynasty. <laughs> you know, this is this is not an old cinema. These are nice new stadium seating cinema houses. And, um, you know, it's it's tempting. It, it's there have been a couple films that came out that I was kind of tempted. I mean, I kind of thought about doing it with Tenon. I was like, well, I could, you know, take my dad and, you know, that maybe just the two of us that'd be, you know, 50 to $75 for a movie. Do I really want to do that? Because eh. we weren't going to take the kids to that. The one movie that I was kind of tempted and uh, my friends, uh, yourself included, kind of talked me out of it was Jackie Chan's Vanguard, which uh, <laughs> did get a U.S. release here, uh, you know, I think around Thanksgiving and they had it. And, uh, you know, I could have easily gone and, um, you know, spent 100 to 150 dollars to watch that <laughs> by myself. And I was like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Then you wish you had spent the hundred fifty bucks on a on a on a year long VPN instead and get something else better. Yeah. Um yeah, after after hearing uh some good friends discuss it and seeing a couple of reviews out there, I said, I think I'll I'll pass on this one. All right, so uh I think we're gonna move on and uh, cover kind of a typical format that we would for this show. We had originally thought about um doing a couple reviews. Uh, standard reviews along with some news and, and stuff but i think we're gonna maybe change things up a little bit here on the fly and we'll mention a, a couple of the movies that uh, we've seen uh, like soul and and wonder woman but we're not going to maybe go in depth with full reviews but instead i kind of wanted to talk about a couple of the big news stories of the day and then uh have kevin and myself go over some of our favorite stuff of 2020 and uh, kind of what we're looking forward to in 2021 so rather than sort of a standard show more of a year in review show um and a, you know brief mention of some of the things that are currently out there at the moment and so let's kick things off like we normally would do with uh, some news so kevin let's throw the news mic back to your direction yeah so the first story we're going to talk about it's i think one of the strangest stories i've heard in the film film well film world um, if not this year, then definitely, well, actually in quite a few years. The CEO of uh, Chinese video game publisher Yuzu, um, which had been set to produce the new Netflix adaptation of The Free Body Problem, this sci-fi, this very famous Chinese sci-fi novel, died on Christmas Day after he was allegedly poisoned by a business partner. And this business partner is supposedly, allegedly, uh, actually the the partner company, the head of the partner company that is also co-producing this series. So I know Paul is like one of your most anticipated adaptations around because you were already looking forward to it when the first film project that tried to adapt this uh, this novel failed. Um, and then I'm sure you've been really looking forward to this Netflix adaptation of it, which is being set to be produced by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who did... Uh, Game of Thrones. So, yeah, I, what do you want to go into it more, or, or I, do you I mean, me it's it's. Uh, uh, some are talking about this in, in ter using terms like uh, cursed production. I mean, it, as they might do over here for you know some uh, famous Hollywood films that have uh, fallen on hard times over the years. I think what was the one um, that Terry Gilliam had. Uh, um, about Don, was it Don, like, Quixote. Don, Don Quixote, which was like a supposedly cursed production where just so many things went wrong and they could never get it off the ground. 
And I mean, here you have the case of a very famous science fiction novel. This is from the same writer who, if you've seen the movie The Wandering Earth, which I think is still available on Netflix, uh, from this, that same author, he's one of the most prolific science fiction novelists in, in China today. And so I was, you know, this, this, this work is a trilogy, as I understand it, and it's even more famous um, than his uh, Wandering Earth, Earth novels. So with this, I was very excited. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but they actually did make um, the first film and it got shelved because I guess they thought it was so bad. Um, it's 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 among one of these cases where a film is actually made but then never released. I think it went unfinished. I think it was at like the the CG. I think it was at a CG station and it just totally got either it might have been shot and they just never bothered completing it because it was just such a mess. I think that was it. Yeah. So I mean it was close to to getting done and and being released and there was a lot of buzz around it for quite a few years and then suddenly there wasn't. <laughs> this this <laughs> happens in China. Um, with some sometimes some very high profile films. What was the one a couple years ago that was like a big, big production, and uh, they were making a, a lot of buzz about it, and 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 it fit. They finished it, but then it got released, like just to some streaming stuff, and it was supposed to go international, but it didn't. Do you remember that one? You're, you're being a bit vague here because there's so many of <laughs> yeah. them that are like that. Because the thing is, you're as good as your, the talent behind the camera. The thing about Chinese cinema industry or film industry is that there are a lot, a lot of companies with a lot of money to throw around because they all think they can make quick, quick cash. But then there are fewer talented people than there are investors, if you know what I mean. Right. Is that they recruit a lot of people who who sort of um, they can boast quite a bit they can um, drum up their profile they can talk themselves up uh, they can talk a good game and then by the end of the day when time when the time comes to actually complete the project turns out they can't and turns out to be a total mess and turns out to be unreleasable and it's un unwatchable and that happens quite a lot in Chinese cinema I think one film that happened was uh, Asura yeah that's the one I'm thinking of I, yeah. Which I went on CNN to talk about. Sorry, bit of a see, just me talking a big game of myself. Um, yeah, that film again. It was just like you know, they spent a ton of money. They had a cast that wasn't particularly, you know, exactly box office um, attraction, so to speak. I mean, Tony Leung, Kafai, and Karina Lau. Give me a break. That's right. They weren't even like box office attraction in the nineties. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, and that film got pulled after two days. It was released because the word of mouth was so terrible. I think I mean that was it. Yeah. Back to this particular case, it's really weird just because it's like it sounds like a little bit of kind of some Game of Thrones stuff going on, right? I mean, you've got these this high profile um, big boss of this uh, huge giant company in China, who's I guess got working through a subsidiary uh, production company to get this movie made, and wow, I don't know which one was Joffrey. I mean. <laughs> Who's who's the big bad in this story? We really don't have a lot of details. Well, yeah. I, I have some rumors. I okay. have some rumors. Let, okay. let the rumors the rumor, fly. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, that's how that's all we can operate on uh, in, in, when it talks about film industry gossip, right? Um, one side, oh, and other side, a substantial amount of money. And apparently, also, either the victim or the perpetrator slept with either the victim's or the perpetrator's wife. And there's money involved, mm. so that is the quote-unquote work dispute that's being um, that's being passed around the the media, the official media. Um, but that the rumor mill 
say that it's those two issues that if there's a money dispute and also there's like an extramarital affair involved. Interesting. Well, I, I guess the long and the short of it is that we'll probably see a movie about this case before we'll actually see a three body problem movie now. <laughs> <laughs> not in China, we're not. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's some weird news to sort of cap this already crazy year off with. Um, and if you're, you were looking like me looking forward to this film, I I'm guessing we're probably gonna have to wait, uh, um, for, you know, a bit longer now, if it doesn't get shut down completely. To, to me, this, this project, um, the, the, what happened, what's happened to this project or what's been attached to this project feels almost as cursed as say, um, and and I feel hesitant in saying this, but sort of like Terrence House, right? Terrence House now has a very, very, very sad case um, involved. And once you have death attached to your project, I, I feel like that is something that you don't, we don't want to remind people of anymore. So Terrence House is, is done for good. Let's face it, it's done for good. And I think right now, at least this version, this version or this particular adaptation of the story i think with this high profile case i think it could be done for good too i guess leading on also from entertainment news and somewhat related to japan for those of us here in the states and uh, elsewhere uh, i've read that this is also working its fingers into um, international areas as well because it deals with uh rights issues and things and who's going to be owning and distributing what um so big news kind of for me or for anybody who watches anime is that sony uh, has bought up crunchyroll now Crunch crunchyroll is like the big online streaming platform service that has long been around uh, serving the anime community um, initially they started out kind of doing fan subs through youtubes and then they kind of got legit and created their own platform and over the years have gotten more and more titles under their license to distribute and uh, even going to get titles with uh, day and date releases. Um, so uh, what they call simulcasts, when uh, a title is airing in Japan, they will also be airing it uh, uh, stateside, which has been great for anime fans. But now Sony has come in and bought them up and this has become sort of a consolidation of a couple other services, including a couple international services that Sony recently acquired and their own Funimation service. And so the big question on everybody's mind is, is, is this going to be good or bad for um, anime? Uh, as a member of Crunchyroll, they kind of put something up on their forum uh, talking about the, the, the takeover, but they haven't really said how it's going to affect people um, or memberships, although I think a lot of fans are upset with Crunchyroll because earlier this year they changed their membership tiers without letting us know. <laughs> they sent, they, <laughs> they kind of just said, okay, you're now this tier. Um, so for people like me who had an annual subscription, it's like, wait a minute, um, what, ha what just happened? Um, they kind of did so without any announcement, and then this comes around. So I, I don't really know what to expect, whether things are going to get better or worse um, under Sony. I haven't used Funimation much before. I think I I tried one or two uh, free titles under it, um, but I liked Crunchyroll better just because it had more of the shows that I wanted to see and seemed to have a better focus on uh, subbing rather than dubbing, whereas Funimation seemed to be more on the sort of dubbing side of things. And... So I'm really not sure what things are going to look like, but basically it looks like you're going to have two big contenders now, 
with one being Crunchyroll and their sort of co-licensing model and the other being Netflix, which basically kind of put their own team in Japan uh, to create uh, stuff now, as I understand it. So it looks like they're, these are going to be the two big uh, media behemoths kind of, you know, uh, kicking the anime ball around back and forth uh, between members. And we're going to have to see uh, if this is good or bad for anime in the long run. Yeah, I, I think that it's taking way too long. I mean, the thing is, I grew up with friends who watch anime. Uh, and maybe because I grew up in the Bay Area where you have a lot of Asian people. So maybe my bubble is sort of blown up to, you know, it, it doesn't represent what was happening from the rest of the country. But I think the statistics say, I mean, they tell you enough that there is a demand for anime in the U.S. And there should have been a legal means to see it a long time ago. If there's a ton of, you know, legal means to watch Korean TV dramas, why isn't there a more legal means of watching Japanese anime, which has been, you know, its popularity has been around much longer than Korean dramas. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that because I'm not a fan of anime, so I don't know what else to say about this. But I do hope that there are always more legal means to see um, things from from overseas. Uh, and that includes Japanese anime. All right, our final bit of news this week. Um, Kevin, you have some news about uh, some Hong Kong film shorts. Yes, so the Federation of Hong Kong Filmmakers, as a way to keep um, Hong Kong film professionals at work, they commissioned, uh, well, with government money uh, sponsorship, they commissioned 10 shorts. And these 10 shorts are tutorials of different aspects of filmmaking. So... Um, Four, four shirts already online now on, on YouTube. They cover uh, cinematography, uh, lighting, uh, in other words, gaffer, um, stunt work, and uh, assistant director. And so there are six more shorts coming, and I know all this because I'm subtitling all ten of them. Um, but so these ten shorts are all sort of a way to... Um, teach aspiring filmmakers or to tell aspiring filmmakers these are the, the different roles they're done on a film that making a film takes a lot of work and a lot of team of people and it, uh and again it, it just it's a way to keep film professionals working in hong kong including myself um and uh yeah so but they aren't made by you know any like really high profile filmmakers um a lot of them are made by longtime assistant directors they do have um sort of bigger name actors, right? So, for example, one has Eric Cotton in it. Another one has uh, Hannah Chan, who, who's been sort of an up-and-rising star. Uh, one has uh, just not Justin Chen, um, Lam Kinseng, Lam Kinseng, who who's in uh, uh, Weeds on Fire. Uh, and the assistant director one has uh, Chiba Hong, who was in Prince, My Prince Edward. So, it, they're, they're quite... I'm not going to say anything about the quality because I'm still working on these shorts and I haven't I've only seen about six of them so far. I think there are four more on the way. But um, I think it's an interesting way for Hong Kong filmmakers or professionals to talk about their line of work and to tell you about um, what they do and, and what um, how much work there is uh, when you're making a film. Uh, so yeah, these shorts are all on YouTube now. I think there will be a link on the page, and they're all for free. And like I said, they're all English subtitled, so there's no excuse for you guys to uh, to miss them. All right. When does the Tea Lady short come out? I wish there is one, but I don't. I don't know if there's one yet. I know there's one about props. I know there's one about car stunts. 
Um, and I think there's another one that I've done. It's about uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, gosh, which one is this? It's oh, um, production design. And and I don't know the rest. I mean, there are three more coming because we're still working on them. We're still subtitling them. So I or they're still in post production right now, um, which tells you how much how much work Hong Kong cinema industry is getting. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know, but they're all for free. I'm really glad they're all for free, and I do hope that more uh, aspiring filmmakers, even those that are, that are uh, out of outside of Hong Kong, will see these and be inspired to to join this line of work and to prove that Hong Kong, the Hong Kong film industry is still at work. I was out for my walk earlier just now, about an hour and a half ago. And I saw Carlos Chan and some other people, I think they're uh, shooting a film. So, so Hong Kong it, this film, film productions are still happening in Hong Kong. All right. One last little bit of news that I just wanted to briefly pick Kevin's brain on, um, because the film, I think got theatrical release surprisingly, but no streaming release, which it you know, if you think about a film that probably should have gone direct to streaming, it is this one, at least in my mind, and that is the Monster Honey, Monster Hunter film, not Monster Honey. <laughs> I watch Monster Honey. That's a I that's a Japanese film, right? <laughs> um, Monster Hunter, starring Mila Jovich, um, which already you know, I mean, uh, it just looked bad from 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 the get go, but. Uh, it had a little bit of a controversy about it because one of the stars in it, uh, uh, Hong Kong rapper, uh, celebrity MC Jin, um, plays a soldier in in I guess with the unit uh, that uh, gets you know sort of swept up into the monster hunter world events, and he has a joke in it where basically he's uh, talking about his knees, and it was a big kerfuffle in mainland China uh, because it ties back to sort of an old. American joke uh, about Chinese knees and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, it was a derogatory joke, you know, like back in the 70s, I want to say, because <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard it, uh, anybody use it in the modern era. But nonetheless, uh, some people in, I guess, in mainland China were offended. And it, it was weird because the offense came through the, you, you had to know English and Chinese to really get it. Because I think a person who just understood Chinese wouldn't have gotten it. Um, at least as, as I was reading about it, that's kind of how they were explaining it. Uh, but w did this make any waves over there in Hong Kong, Kevin? Was this on your radar at all? We did. I mean, yes, but only for the hilarity of this whole situation. Um, of course, I was tracking it because well, I saw the clip. I haven't seen it because the film didn't open in Hong Kong because um, of the cinema shutdown. But... I saw the the clip. I mean, of course, someone, of course, it, because it's China, someone already, you know, camcorded it. Um, and the joke is, and I will say it because MC Jenner Penny wrote it himself, and he didn't mean it to be offensive, so I'm gonna say it. Um, someone, they're in a jeep, and then um, MC Jen says, "Hey, what kind of knees are these? Chinese." Which to me, it sounds like a dad joke because I have no idea what this it's is. Such a dad joke. I, <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of this nursery rhyme, okay? Whatever this this uh, niece, whatever thing. I had never heard of this nursery rhyme. I grew up in America. I never heard of it. Um, so apparently, someone on Chinese internet brought it up, and then it went viral. There, it, it, it certainly seems shady that somehow some Chinese person picked up on the seventies nursery rhyme. And threw up on online and complained about it, and then it picked up across the internet at rapid rate because that film 
uh, went off the Chinese cinemas after I think two days on release. Um, and the way that the speed that this picked up certainly seems shady to me. Now, am I suggesting that perhaps a competitor brought this up? I don't know. I do not know. Um, but it just seemed very weird to me that um, somehow that this outdated um, n- racist nursery rhyme somehow got associated with this thing. Um, by the way, it, it's actually the, the fallout of it is actually more more amusing because um, for of course MC Jim went on Instagram and apologized, and then um, because he's the one who said it, and then M- Milajovic went on his Instagram and said. Well, first of all, he he she it seemed like she was coming to his defense, but then she also brought up the fact that, quote unquote, fact that MC Jin was the one who wrote the joke. She was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that people uh, make such a big deal or or twisted the joke that you wrote that you improvised on set because, of course, the director Paul W S Anderson is M- Mila Jovovich's husband, Mr. Jovich." <laughs> Mr. Jovovich, <laughs> and he also wrote the script. So it's very funny how Mila, to save her husband, inadvertently or perhaps intentionally, I don't know, threw MC Jin under the bus on Instagram, <laughs> telling people that, hey, yo, he wrote the joke. And by the way, oh, I should also add that in Chinese the subtitles, because also, for some reason, no one at Sony China also picked up on this nursery rhyme, because, but then the subtitler realizing that, well, this isn't going to be translatable, wrote um, wrote another Chinese pun about how there are knees, uh, gold under the knees or something, meaning that apparently Chinese people don't get on their knees uh, even when there's gold, or I don't, I don't even know what this, whatever. There's gold under the knees or something. I, I don't get it. But apparently even Sony China, no one in Sony China picked up the joke. No one at the censorship bureau picked up on the joke in China. Uh, the film went through the censorship process. Everyone heard every line of, those, of that film, and it didn't alert anyone until it opened in cinemas and some some apparently really really smart audience member or really really old audience member i don't know um picked up on that joke so it it, the whole situation just seems very shady to me and and yeah uh it just sort of follows that what we call glass the glass heart of the chinese people (laughs) where they get really offended at every single thing that just seems mildly derogatory against them um, it's just very indicative, and I, of course, that joke's been now deleted from apparently all versions of the film worldwide. Um, but you know, it's it's monster freaking hunter. You know, I mean, yeah, who cares about a joke, a a, a dad a dad joke being taken out of the film? Um, as long as a monster doesn't uh, hurt the feelings of the Chinese people, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, well, I you know, it's uh, I think perhaps more offensive is just the fact that. The movie exists, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently just, people. I mean, it, it, it did well enough in Taiwan, but then like it just dropped very quickly. I mean, word of mouth on this is pretty bad. So I'm sure you're gonna watch it, though, Paul, right? Uh, eventually, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> look, it's the the minute they had like this army APC being attacked by monsters. I'm like, I never got to play an APC in the video game. Where where was that level? <laughs> It's just like yeah. Where's the level where you get Tony Jaa to Muay Thai the monsters to, to submission? So yeah, I'm. I mean, still, I'm. The biggest surprise to me is that it just didn't go right to streaming. That they're really just kind of pushing this out there to see 
you know, who's going to sit in the cinema and, and watch it, and uh, at least here in the States, so. Well, because the, the thing is, they're, they're really hinging on it to do well in Asia. Um, it opened in Taiwan normally, like I said, did okay. And they were hit, they were hoping it would do well in China because that's, you know, that huge market for them there, especially the games. So if it came straight to streaming in America, once it goes on streaming, then it's piratable, right? And then that's it. So that was the idea. All right. Well, if you have some thoughts on Monster Hunter, good or bad, uh, you know, do drop us a line and let us know. So uh, let's take some time, and I wanted to talk about some of our favorite stuff of 2020. I mean, it's a year where we really have been in in in, in no small way thinking about uh, movies all that much um, because there's just been so much else going on. But uh, both Kevin and I um, probably haven't seen near as much as we might normally in a given year, and but we have had the good fortune to at least uh, get together a couple times this year and, and talk about some stuff. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, I do miss going out to the cinema, even though I do like having the home experience. But the one thing that's really been sort of on the negative side for me is that since I don't get to go to the cinema, um, I don't get to see stuff that I couldn't see anywhere else. And by that, I mean like some of the Hong Kong stuff that would play down in Miami or some of the Chinese movies that might play in Miami. None of that stuff is coming uh, right now. Um, I was really surprised that, uh, as I said, Jackie Chan's Vanguard got a theatrical release over here, but I guess that was, you know, already planned well in advance, so they decided to go ahead with it. Um, but, uh, you know, I was kind of hopeful at the start of the year that I'd at least get to see um, maybe half a dozen or, you know, two or three things uh, over the course of the year. And of course, with the pandemic, that's just wasn't a possibility but uh, there were some bright spots um, throughout the year and some things that uh, have come out and there's still a lot that I'm looking forward to eventually getting a hold of um, even though some of it uh, like I know that uh, the Lunar New Year film the, the new All's Well Ends Well for 2020 still not out there on Blu-ray but um, quite a bit of other stuff has been out there it's been a bumper year for Hong Kong films on Blu-ray to be sure um, but I thought we'd talk about some of the things that, uh, we encountered this year, uh, that left an impression on us. Um, so Kevin, let me throw it over to you and, and let you start off with, uh, some of your favorite things from 2020. Well, um, so I, I did watch much fewer films. I didn't get to go to film festivals this year, um, because I usually travel to, uh, Taiwan, Korea, Italy for film festivals and I get to watch you know films that would otherwise be um would be able to be seen here in hong kong so um i missed out on that um but i did try to compensate because i have like 10 streaming subscriptions and of course some of the film festivals did get shipped online and i got to watch as much as i can and actually i've saved money because now i you know i haven't flown on years so even though some of these passes were quite expensive. Um, looking at you, Toronto, uh, I still get to uh, got to watch um, quite a few films at a lower price than what I would have paid for. So, for example, I don't have to fly. I didn't have to book a hotel. Um, so, you know, I did manage to watch about at this point. Right now, we're recording this on twenty seventh of December, and uh, I'm at about three hundred and fifty five movies for this year. So that's not too bad. It's much lower than my usual number, uh, which is about 400, but it's okay. Um, and, but before, so before we recorded, I whipped up a long list of um, 
essentially contenders for my favorites of the year. And unfortunately, there are fewer Asian films than Western films. That's the nature of the beast. I watched uh, uh, way more newer Western releases than Asian releases because those are sort of hard to come by. Um, they travel to film festivals and then they don't come back or, or they don't come to Hong Kong. So that makes it hard for me to watch newer Asian films, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I can pull a few fi- films from this long list. Um, I'm sure that some of the films a lot of people already know. For example, Amazon Small Axe, the, the five film an- uh, anthology by Steve McQueen that's on Amazon. Um, it's excellent. I've watched two of those films so far, Mangrove and Lover's Rock. They're pretty much um, guaranteed to be on my top 10. Um, and then I uh, films are already out. So, for example, Palm Springs, the time loop comedy that's on Hulu. Uh, I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, it was going to get a, a theatrical release here in Hong Kong. But, of course, the, the new shutdown of cinemas uh, stopped that. Um, there's a film on Netflix called A Platform, a Spanish film. Uh, that you can watch on on Netflix in most of the world that I thought is uh, very I think it talks a lot about the human condition especially I was watching it in February when people started hoarding things whether it's face mask or groceries or toilet paper it, suddenly the platform made a lot of sense to me and it's a very 2020 film in the way that it sort of depicts human greed and I think it's a very interesting uh, film to look at uh, and then Bacurau, the, the Brazilian film, which is a very John Carpenter-esque sort of 1980s ex- exploitation film. Um, it's it's quite uh, a doozy, I think, especially in the second half when the violent, when blood starts flowing. Um, and a couple of films that, you know, you can say, oh, it's a very 2020 film. Um, I think that, I think uh, there's a film, a French film called The End of Love, which is about a long-distance relationship. It's about a couple, a married couple, um, that's split up because uh, the husband has to go back to Israel to renew his visa for France. Uh, but then some kind of bureaucratic mess up sort of forces him to stay in Israel. So he's, he can only uh, talk to his wife via video chat. Who You know, her, her his wife's in France. She's French. So the whole film is essentially their video chats. And that's it. And they're split for a long time. And it just sort of shows this relationship deteriorating because of the distance and i feel like that's really the most 2020 romance that that i've seen even though it wasn't made for 2020 um what else asian side okay let's turn to asian side a couple of more western films but i want to turn to asian stuff um uh so i watched chinese film wild goose lake i think it's quite wild uh the new film from dao yilan who did um god what was the ice something thin ice whatever um that was quailer may uh, Black Coal Thin Ice. Black Coal Thin Ice, yes. So, Dao Yinan, that director, this is a new film, uh, Wild Goose Lake, which also stars Guilherme. Um, But if you can't try and get the Taiwan DVD or try and get like an American cut of it, apparently it's, it's a bit different than the cut I saw here in Hong Kong. Um, Happy Old Year, which is a Thai film. I don't know if it's available on Netflix in the US, yeah, yeah. but it's available. It, oh, it, great. It, well, what it was for a while. I don't know if it's still there because that's how we watched it. Let's see. Oh, perfect. So yeah, Nawapo is one of my favorite filmmakers working today, and Happy Old Year is is uh, it's melancholic. It's not quite. It's not very comedic, but it's it's very uh, melancholic. Um, it's a very Marie Kondo kind of kind of Thai film. Um, and what else? Oh, okay. Uh, the Eight Hundred by Guan Hu, the Chinese film. Um, I it was made for an IMAX screen. Uh, it's this big war film. It's about the the Eight Hundred. 
uh, fighters who defended a warehouse in Shanghai. Um, this story has been made, I think, in the 1970s uh, as a as a propaganda film by the Kuomintang in, in Taiwan. But now Guan Hu's made it for China, and of course, it was delayed for a long time, and um, it finally came out, and it's just such. I got to watch it on an IMAX theater, and it was such a wonderful big screen experience. Um, I think Guan Hu is one of the most talented Chinese filmmakers working today, uh, and it's just, he has such, such a unique visual language. It just really propels this this film. It's really one of those things that make you miss watching films in the cinemas. Um, Little Big Woman is a Taiwanese film. Um, for the longest time, actually until last month, no film, no local film had broken the 100 million new Taiwan dollar mark at the box office, which is quite sad, especially for a year where Taiwan has been lauded for its pandemic response and cinemas have been pretty much operating as normal. But no local film passed that mark. And it's not even considered a very successful, a high box office mark in Taiwan, 100 million. But the first film that finally crossed it, and it has crossed it by some some distance now, is this film called Little Big Woman. It's a, it, it, on the surface, it seems like a melodrama about a family of women, um, the mother, her, her three daughters, um, and there's the death of, of, the, of the absent father, and it sort of brings them back together. Um, and all these sort of old secrets and whatnot come back to the surface. On the surface, it seems like a very typical sort of TV drama kind of plot, but I think it's very well done. It's very delicate. It's very humorous. The the acting is amazing. The lead actress, uh, Chen Shufang, who plays the mother, won both the Best Actress and the Best Supporting Actress award at the Golden Horse this year. Of course, the supporting actress went to a different film, but she gives an absolutely phenomenal performance here uh, as the mother, and that is something that you guys should watch out for when it reaches uh, your end of the world. Um, I just tonight I just watched a Indian film. It's a South Indian film, so I think it's a Malayam or it's one of the the southern South Indian film industry film. is called um, Jalikatu. Uh, it's actually India's representative at the Oscars this year. This film is now on Amazon Prime. Um, it's about a village, especially its men. Uh, going after a buffalo after it runs away from uh, before it's been going to be slaughtered. Um, and it's just such phenomenal filmmaking. It's such bravado filmmaking at work here. And it's a really powerful um, story about toxic masculinity. And I think it's, it's very much worth watching. Um, another film that you guys can see, I watched this in 2019, but it is Taiwan's representative this year at the Oscar is A Son, which is on Netflix. Uh, a son as an S, you know, A and then S U N son, the, the son of the sky. Um, of course, Variety already called it. Uh, one of the Variety critics called it one of his favorite films of 2020, which did get a lot more attention. But um, it is something worth watching if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just a very very short, very quick sort of um, recap of the films I liked in 2020. Uh, there's a lot more, but. I didn't want to ramble on for longer than 10 minutes. So there you go. As I said, I've not been able to get out and see a lot, especially much from uh, China or, or Hong Kong, unfortunately, this year. And there's a lot of stuff that I do want to see. Like I mentioned, I really want to see the, even though Kevin has said it's not good, <laughs> the All's Well, Ends Well 2020 uh, Lunar New Year movie. I was hoping there'd be a... Yeah, yeah. The, the, the All's Well, Ends Well of 2020 is you not watching All's Well, Ends Well 2020. <laughs> Trust me. Indeed. Well, I was hoping to to be able to get a, get a physical copy of it before 
the coming Lunar New Year, at, at least. Um, but uh, doesn't look like it's going to be released yet. Um, also, I mean, I was just looking at the list of Hong Kong cinema. I think this has got to be the lowest year of, of all time for actual productions. I mean, again, it's in part because of, you know, the pandemic. But I mean, it's it's barely topping out at over a dozen films, um, you know, especially when we think of the, the standard commercial fare. Well, there are productions. It's just that a lot of them are being delayed because now that Hong Kong Film Awards have been canceled for this year, there a lot of I think a lot of films were just are just going to hold until next year to try and, you know, for a later release, hoping it will get better consideration for the Hong Kong Film Awards. So I know at least a, 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 about half a dozen films, if not a dozen films that I've worked on that is still that are still sort of awaiting releases. That being said, there's be, still been some good stuff to make its way onto platforms, um, you know, Netflix and Amazon and elsewhere. Um, I guess if I had to pick a couple favorites that I would say um, the Netflix animated feature Over the Moon, uh, which is basically a lunar or sorry, mid-autumn festival holiday film, um, which was just fantastic. I mean, it's uh, on on terms of the just animation quality itself, it's up there with, you know, um, any any of the best DreamWorks films. And it's got some song numbers. You've got Philippa So from Hamilton, who's, you know, uh, belting out some, some some songs. It's a great cast all around. Um, it does feel like it's trying to follow the Frozen, you know, framework a little bit too much in terms of just the, the feel of some of the songs and um, kind of the humor like that, you know, some of the characters are evoking. But overall, I mean, I was just so happy that... Uh, somebody took a chance on a film like this that especially for a Western audience, they're going to go, you know, mid-autumn festival, moon goddess, what's that, right? But just to see this put together and put together so well, and it's, you know, it's a film like many holiday films that I have in my archive that I will look forward to returning to, um, you know, each year with um, with my family. My daughter loved it. Um, I'm sure that at some point when he's more into media content my son will get a big kick out of it as well and it just it, it was something that really made me happy and it was a bright spot um, throughout the year also a bright spot but not because it really made me happy but it did make me somewhat nostalgic um, was the movie from 2019 but I didn't get to see it until 2020 unfortunately uh, My Prince Edward um, starring Steffi Tang and there's been a lot of discussion this year about Steffi and how she has kind of somehow broken away to become sort of an indie darling uh, in recent years and to really kind of become a, a credible actress by taking on some of these smaller roles and, and much more dramatic roles. And um, this was one that both myself and my wife really liked. We liked the characters. We liked the depictions of Hong Kong, the social pressures around, you know, just getting married or not getting married and, and you know, just a lot of the stuff that was in there. There's a lot of good nuance in there um, that, you know, I think some of that will probably be lost on an international audience, but there's there's enough there to, to hold their attention as well. And I just really, you know, it just really made me want to be back in Hong Kong <laughs> in, some, in, some, in some of the shots. Um, 
So that's one that uh, I really, really enjoyed. And you can also enjoy because it is actually out if you have access to Amazon. Um, it's on Amazon. It's not Prime Streaming. You, I think you have to buy it. Um, but it's like only $9.99 right now. Um, and I would say if you're not planning to get a physical media version of it because um, it's not on iTunes. So snatch it up because um, one of the things that Amazon tends to do is they tend to cut their contracts with a lot of Hong Kong movies because as I, you know, occasionally browse through their digital archive, I'll see all these Hong Kong movie titles that are just no longer available. But once you buy it, you will, you're supposed to have access to it in perpetuity, even if they decide to no longer have it on offer for contractual reasons. So um, you can pick it up there. And speaking of Lunar New Year films, I, I did notice that... Um, one of the recommended films that came up that is on streaming right now is uh, from 2019. That is uh, a lifetime treasure. Um, so you can, you know, if you're looking for something a little bit more festive, you can uh, check that out as well. That would be my recommendations. I spent way too much time this year watching Hallmark Christmas shows. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't even want to go, go down that road. Um, and there's been quite a few, there were quite a few new, uh, Christmas specials on Netflix as well. Uh, nothing really kind of uh, kind of caught my fancy this year, though there was one called A Sugar and Spice Holiday that I think is worth mention that was not on Hallmark Channel. It was on Lifetime Channel. And for those uh, international listeners who don't know the difference, Lifetime Channel is sort of like the ugly stepbrother of Hallmark Channel. It's like not quite as good as the Hallmark Channel. They don't have quite the level of budgets, but they kind of do the same, the same kind of things. They have a, they have their own Christmas movies, and they're kind of on par, but not quite there in terms of production design and production value. Um, and and they run them. But this year they had, this year was a big year because like, I think they had two or three um, Christmas specials that featured gay couples um, or stories about. Um, you know, uh, gay couples coming together at Christmas time. There was another one I think that had Kristen Stewart in it. That uh, I think that was on Netflix. The name escapes me now, or maybe that was on uh, Amazon. The um, but but there was one called A Sugar and Spice Holiday, which uh, stars also starts Zima from Mulan, and uh, it was basically this, you know, uh, the same the same Hallmark format person from the big city goes back to the countryside or goes back to their home small hometown to celebrate Christmas and finds their roots. It's exactly that. It's every, everyone, every, pretty much every Christmas movie from Hallmark or Lifetime is exactly that in a nutshell. Um, but this featured uh, an all Asian cast and it was about sort of a Chinese family, a girl going back to a uh, Chinese family. Her father Tsuma owns a lobster bar and restaurant, which is interesting. And he talks with a Southern accent, which is kind of funny. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much straightforward, standard cookie cutter stuff. But you can check that out. You know, it was fun to see him on one of these, um, one of these uh, sort of quirky films, as opposed to the film that we talked about earlier in the year, uh, Tiger Tail, right, out of uh, Taiwan. So um, some some fun stuff there to look forward to if you're just looking for some lighthearted things. So that that was my pick of some of the favorite stuff I had in 2020. Um, I guess the other big thing for 2020. That's been a favorite, but it's been very hard on my wallet is, as I said, it's a great year for Hong Kong cinema on Blu-ray. I mean, because it's like every week there's some new old film 
and sometimes a film that you've probably never heard of or may have only been available on VCD or something at some time that is now back out on, on Blu-ray. In some sense, I guess it's remastered, but how much remastering is going into some of these is hard to say. Um, but <laughs> just lots and lots of titles. Um, <clears throat> most recently that I've had to add to, to the wish list, I think both of the... Um, the Peacock Ping, uh, the Peacock King movies, uh, the Peacock Prince, and Peacock King. Uh, I forget which one's the sequel. Uh, Saga of the Phoenix is the is, is the alternative title of the sequel. Um, have come out the sort of kind of fantasy spectacle martial arts film starring um, Yin Biao. So you know those are finally available on Blu-ray. Lots of other stuff has come out during the year. So it's been a great year. But these are not cheap Blu-rays. This is not the era of really, really cheap media anymore. The, the prices on these are um, are considerable. So if you're trying to pick up all of these titles, it's gonna it's gonna hit you hard in the wallet. But um, I guess it's great to see that uh, this stuff has become available again. I mean, Kevin, has there been anything throughout the year that has uh, really uh, caught your eye that you said, "Oh, that's a must-have. That's something that uh, you know has only been available on VCD before, and, and I need it on Blu-ray now." Oh, there is one coming up. I haven't bought that many of the classics on, on Blu-ray. I did buy Help, I think, the um, the White Coffee Johnny Toe film. Um, but one is coming up. It's a Korean release, Blu-ray release of Eagle Shooting Heroes. And um, it's not part of that huge Wong Kar Wai set that's coming in, in 2020, which I will go into later. Um, but I think it has been kind of remastered because it did open in Taiwan. It looked like a new print or very much a remastered print. And I am guessing that is the print that is being released on Korean Blu-ray. That's coming out, I think, next month. Hmm. So that one I'm really excited to get because I have a Japanese DVD that is not subtitled, um, which is fine for me because I understand Cantonese. But I just really want to have that film because it's so hard to get. It's impossible to get here in Hong Kong. But um, yeah, it, it, so that's something to look forward to. But yeah, like you said, there like every week there's a new sort of random '90s movie that's coming out, and I don't know how many of those are remastered at all. So and I, I and you know that just wasn't kind of my decade, so I haven't really caught many of those. Uh, I did. Oh, I did buy because it's on top of my Chinese DVD stack. Uh, Final Countdown is it or Final? Um, the Patrick Tan film, Final. Uh, uh, I don't final... know. You just said final countdown, and now the song is stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but you know which one? It's the one that stars Eric Zhang and Trey Hark. Uh, uh, fatal Encounter? And Patrick Tamp. No, no, no. no it's Patrick uh, Tamp. It's final Fatal something. Vacation? No. Final, final Victory. <laughs> final Victory, okay. There you go. Final Victory. These, these yes, generic um, titles from the 90s are just like. What? I know. I know. Fatal Encounter was that also a Hong Kong film? Because <laughs> I think that was a Korean film, but there might have been a Hong Kong no, there, film. Fatal, I, I think it's. Fatal I think Encounter. it's. Derek Zhang film was uh, Fatal Vacation. Is yeah, is, Fatal Vacation, yeah. which is also coming out. Yeah. By the way. So so yeah, I in terms of Hong Kong DVDs, that's it's not a, such a big year for me. I did buy a lot of DVDs. I bought a lot of Criterion, which I have to blame the Criterion channel for because you see the film and then you realize it's on Criterion channel and then you really like that film and then it's on Criterion Blu-ray and then you just have to buy it. So I bought way more Criterion discs this year than I, than I would have hoped for. Yeah. And then there's that new War Carve I set coming. So, my God. So I guess with that, we'll talk a little bit about what are some of the things we're looking forward to in 2021. Um, so sort of carry on from the news I was talking about earlier. For me, uh, lots of anime. Uh, I'm very excited about the uh, massive hit that has been the Demon Slayer um, 
uh, Kimetsu no, no Yaiba movie release that just opened, I think, on October 16th in Japan and just has been shattering records right and left, which as a as a fan of the the anime, I really have a hard time understanding. I mean, this is, it's even put, you know, movies like Your Name in, in its place. And it's like, how is this possible? Because it's, I mean, it's a good series. It's a beautifully animated series to be sure, but it's just a shonen series. So I really don't understand um, the fervor of why um, this particular film has, has taken hold in Japan. I've, I've, you know, had some bouncing conversations with Kevin uh, back and forth over chat in in recent months about, you know, what is just going on with this movie? You know, in, in a normal year, we would probably be getting this as a release through Sony slash Funimation in cinemas here in January, February. That's usually about how they space it out between a cinematic uh, Japanese release of a big anime movie title. They've done this with the previous two My Hero Academia film screenings and some other stuff as well. We would be expecting to, to see this. They did announce, I think back in October, that it would be getting U.S. theatrical release, but these are very limited releases. But I'm still kind of curious um, with the pandemic if that's going to still go forward or not. We're going to have to see how things are, especially after the sort of holiday wave that everybody is expecting to sort of kick in in the coming month. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what the buzz is about. Uh, the other things coming, I think, for anime also, we are going to be getting new seasons, a fifth season of My Hero Academia this year, the uh, third and final season of Fruits Basket, which is another favorite title of mine, and the, the very odd uh, Beast Stars, which is on uh, Netflix, um, is going to be getting a new season as well. If you're not familiar with that, basically think of Zootopia, uh, but more adult and uh, kind of weird, but uh, still pretty good. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and of course getting a vaccine so I can actually go out to the cinemas again. Um, another thing that I'm oddly looking forward to in a strange kind of way is the new Coming to America, uh, sequel. Um, for those who remember the old Eddie Murphy film, it looks like they got pretty much everybody back. Arsenio Hall, um, is going to be in it. James Earl Jones, uh, in there as well. And, uh, some of the other you know, original people from the first film. It's coming out through Amazon. So I guess it's going straight to Amazon Prime. It's not going to get theatrical release, which I think is interesting. But um, Eddie Murphy's had a slight resurgence since last year. So it's good to see him kind of back in action. So I'm excited for it. But the reason I'm really excited for it, and I know this is a stupid reason, <laughs> is that I'm hopeful that we'll get a sequel to the Hong Kong version, The Fun, The Luck, and The Tycoon with Chow fat <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is probably never going to happen. But I'm holding out hope. Because if there's anything that 2020 has taught me, it's that we need to have hope. So that's what I'm hoping for. Coming to America, um, making a, a spinoff sequel for the Hong Kong version starring Chow fat Make it happen, people. <laughs> so, Kevin, what are you looking forward to most in uh, 2021? Um, I'm looking forward to cinemas reopening again. I'm looking forward to the return of the Hong Kong International Film Festival, hopefully. Um, so that, you know, I, I can have a full film festival experience finally in the cinemas. Um, I always look forward to new films coming out, uh, whatever that, whatever that may be. Um, 
And uh, I look forward to that Wong Kar Wai box set from Criterion, even though I already own all those films on Blu-ray. Um, I look forward to more productions being completed in Hong Kong and China so I can, you know, get more work. Uh, and I look forward to finally, again, catching up on more old films. I'm paying for a Criterion Channel subscription that I haven't properly used for the last month and a half because I've been too busy at work. Um and I look forward to everyone getting healthy again and uh, being able to travel again, just like normal. All right. There you have it, folks. What are you looking forward to in 2021? If you'd like to let us know, uh, do drop us a line. Um, I guess we'll leave off with this final question. And it's one we've debated here back and forth um, over the years. Is 2021 going to be the year of streaming, Kevin? is um, I mean, as we were talking about, you know, if you go sign up for HBO Max because you want to watch, you know, Wonder Woman 84... Not that I'd recommend you do that, but um, <laughs> if you want to watch it, it's there. But when you go to their splash page, it's got all the lineup for 2021 that they're going to be launching day and date um, alongside cinema releases. And, and apparently it's, you know, the, the model is right now, it's a limited streaming window. So you can watch it for a little bit and then it's going to go off. It'll still be in the cinemas and then it will come back at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, what, what's your prediction is, is 2021, is this going to be the new model going forward? Or do you think we are going to get back to a state of cinematic normality? Only for the year, I think only for the year. Um, I think that everyone's going to get vaccinated because I mean, the big screen, the theatrical experience is still one, the most profitable one for, for, um, for companies. It is, um, and I, and we can go on about how misguided HBO Max or AT&T was when they announced this without consulting the filmmakers because this means residuals and all kinds of things that, you know, we as consumers don't really think about. We just think, oh, it's like HBO Max. It's going to be, you know, we pay our thirteen ninety nine whatever, and we get unlimited viewings, whatever. But there were all sorts of deals that they it didn't work out first because we're talking about back-end residuals, who's going to get how much of the pie, and so on and so forth. That completely will ruin Warner Brothers' relationship with filmmakers because at the end of the day, filmmakers who make films still want their films to be seen on big screen uh, in a theater. And for film companies, I'm not talking about streaming companies, but I'm talking about film companies, um, including especially maybe independent producers – um, theatrical is still the best way for them to get their money back because um, we're talking about selling it to different distributors in different countries. All that stuff builds up. And film festivals is still the best way to um, gain steam for the release of a film. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the free big European festivals. I'm also talking about Toronto and um in, in Asia, it might be a Hong Kong Film Festival, or it could be Busan, or it could be Tokyo, or it could be, um, uh, where else, uh, New York Film Festival, or Telluride, whatever, uh, Sundance. Those are still sort of the best way to get films that aren't made by a major studio, that aren't made of $200 million budgets, to get attention from the audience. And I think in the long run, um, going to the cinema is still... A social experience is still a social, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Social habit. And I think people will go back to the movies when it's safe to, when there are enough products in the market to attract people to go back to the cinemas, when it is safe enough to go back to the cinemas. But I don't foresee that happening 
in the West. So in Europe or in the UK, in the US, where or even Latin America, where people unfortunately aren't taking the pandemic or taking preventions as seriously as they should be. I think this situation is going to prolong. And I think 2021 will not bring back the travel industry, will not bring back the theatrical exhibition industry, so to speak, yet in the West. And unfortunately, the West still dominates the theatrical experience uh, or theatrical exhibition because they provide the most products uh, and pro they provide the products that reaches the widest audience possible. So um, in Asia, I think things won't, will be will be normal. I think we'll get normal releases. We not going to turn so much into streaming. Um, we still don't have at least we in Hong Kong, we in Asia, actually most of Asia do not have Disney Plus yet, do not have um, uh, HBO Max yet. We only have Netflix and the selections on Prime Video is actually very spotty in Asia. So I do not think that it will be the year of streaming in Asia. Um, well, in Korea, it's sort of been a decade of streaming. So streaming is already very big in Korea. So that, that's out of question. Japan, maybe. But if you look at a Demon Slayer, I mean, that's made a huge amount of money, even though the pandemic is still sort of raging over there. Um, it just, by the way, it just beaten Spirited Away this weekend. So now it's the number one film of all time in Japan, but I'm not. Gonna, I just don't. I don't. I don't understand. I know. I know. And 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 I love the series. I do. I I I and I still. I I'm I'm having difficulty comprehending. And at the end of the day, streaming is not going to make that make the company that kind of money. No one's going to give pay to. I mean, they wouldn't pay. Netflix apparently would not pay two hundred and fifty million dollars for Bond. So who's going to pay two hundred and fifty million dollars for Demon Slayer? No one. And, you know, and that's the money that it's made in Japan. So, yeah, I, I think that 2021 will be the year of streaming in the West, uh, at least for those of us who, who consume Western content. But I don't think it's the long run. Yeah, that's that's my conclusion. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob G. Bohr, who's Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but we like to use lowhkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, please do get in touch with us at our website at concast.com or on Twitter at concast, or you can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com, and you can find us on Facebook at East S West S. As always, I please urge you to follow my good friend and co-host, Mr. Kevin Ma, and as he shakes and moves in his studio of one. So, sir, where can they find out more about you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at the Golden Rock. That's one word, the Golden Rock. Uh, you can email me at Kevin at Asia in cinema dot com. I don't even want to talk about the website anymore. I haven't been touched that website for so long. Um, but I do have a website called Asia in Cinema that hasn't been up. That only updates maybe twice a year. So, um, but you can email me at Kevin at Asia in Cinema dot com. Um, yeah, what else? I think that's it, right? Or you can listen to us here on East Screen, West Screen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, are I mean, have you been? Uh, you were talking earlier about some of the work you're doing for. Um, the short film series on YouTube. 
Have you been tapped to um, do any film festival work in the coming year? Because you did some in this past year, right? Yes. Um, well, first of all, I, I did a bunch of Q&As uh, for Asian Pop-Up Cinema, the film festival in Chicago. And you can look for those Q&As on Vimeo. I, I'm just not one to self-promote those things. So I very feel very weird about putting out videos with my own face on it. But if you look up Asia Pop-Up Cinema uh, on Vimeo, I think there's a channel and it has um, my Q&A with the filmmakers of my Prince Edward, what else? Um, Beyond a Dream and Man on the Dragon uh, on that channel. So you can watch those. Those are actually quite long even. And I subtitled all of those myself. I didn't put the subtitles on, but I went over every line and I I translate every dialogue myself. Um, and then I'm writing blurbs for the Hong Kong International Film Festival uh, for Cinefan, their retrospective series, uh, which is monthly or bi-monthly, I think. And also the new festival that's coming in March, supposedly. I'm writing some blurbs for them. I do have some films that are sort of traveling now around the film festival circuit. For example, there's Hanro Cigarette, which premiered at the Golden Horse Festival as a nominee. It has seven nominations. Didn't win any of them, but that's okay. There's Septet, a Hong Kong story. I think it's getting its European premiere soon. I think in Rotterdam in January. It's already premiered in Busan. It played in Tokyo. The word is that it will be released in Hong Kong in February. I do hope that you guys in North America will see it. I think it's an absolutely fantastic collection of shorts. I'm really proud of that film, and I'm hoping more people will see it. And uh, what else is coming? I did a Patrick Kong movie. I mean, I don't even know what the title is yet, but it's like a thriller thing that might be coming out. I don't know when. When? Who knows? You know, these films I finished, and I don't know when it's coming out, right? Um, that's it. Yeah. So those are the upcoming, at least the upcoming projects that I can tell you about. I mean, there are a bunch of stuff that I probably can't say anything yet. All right. Well, all of that's great stuff to look forward to in the year to come. In addition to Kevin's work, please do check out our friends over at the Podcast on Fire Network, who around this time have got their Christmas episodes out. And uh, if you go a little bit back in time, you're going to hear both myself and uh, Mr. Ma being fortunate to be guest hosts on a couple episodes throughout the year. So some good stuff there. And hopefully we will get a chance to do that going forward in 2021 as well. Until then, this is the Screen West Screen Podcast saying goodbye 2020. We won't miss you. Be safe, and we'll see you next year. See you next year, everybody. Happy New Year.